Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, entering the zone requires total commitment to your game plan and the process of winning. Many athletes have mental barriers that limit their ability to enter the zone, such as fear of failure, doubts, lack of trust, and overthinking. Mentally tough athletes are at an advantage because they have the ability to tap into the zone more consistently in competition. But when they're in that zone, fear, failure, worry, doubt, indecision, and other mental traps are forbidden from entering that focus. So in the state of concentration, mental distractions struggle to compete for your attention, but they lose the battle. So it is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the show, Laura Wild, who is here to help you get in the zone. Laura is known as a secret weapon for professional athletes. She teaches NBA, MLB, and NFL players how to get in the zone, and her mission is to help you unleash your genius. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hi, Janie. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure to be here and talk about my favorite subject. I am certainly looking forward to this conversation. I just enjoy hearing you and learning from you and being in your presence through our favorite place (laughs) in the past couple You know, you created this program called the uh, Quantum Sports Medicine. So if we can just start, if you can just share with us, what inspired you to create this program and what exactly is Quantum Sports Medicine? (laughs) Well, I I was working in high school, uh, you know, years and years ago, helping kids get to college. And I was really frustrated because I would help a great athlete get a scholarship offer and then he would be injured and miss half of his freshman year. So along came some mind-body training courses, and I started taking them. So it was really interesting for me. I was not looking for something like that. I was just frustrated, and it showed up, right? Sometimes, you know, we can really get what we we ask for. So I started learning about, you know, mind-body medicine and how it could affect athletes. And I realized that all along, we were treating our athletes like a bag of bones, and I wanted to be really holistic. And I don't, you know, with me, holistic didn't mean just, oh, look at the elbows and the knees and the neck and the back. It meant really look at all the different levels. So I wanted something that would see the athlete as a whole person with emotions and thoughts and experiences. And so quantum sports medicine was born through all my experiences with mind-body medicine training and psychosomatic training and all the fun things that back then were actually kind of woo-woo. And some of those things have become mainstream. So quantum sports medicine really helped athletes uh, excel, you know, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, and it's all, everything wrapped in the, all together into one. Yeah, I was going to say that probably uh, at certain times that that would be woo-woo, as you said, that a lot of people hear <laughs> words like quantum or holistic, yeah. and then they yeah. get these, these stereotypes. So how did you manage to, I guess, rub and go up, up against what the system probably was at certain times yeah. along the way? <laughs> Well, I don't know that I did manage it that well. I mean, I, I ultimately, what I did was I spent hours and hours and hours, I mean, talking to people, talking to general managers, team doctors, athletes, 
And it's funny because the athletes were actually more open to it. And then I would talk to, I wrote a book too. Like I wrote a book about the cosmic athlete, which helped explain it because I was such a broken record. And the guys used to make fun of me when I would go to the NFL combine because I went every year, I'd go to Indianapolis and there I was sitting on a couch in a lobby of a hotel, blah, 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 trying to explain to someone and get them to understand the emotions matter, you know, mind stuff matters. And they would kind of joke with me. But after my familiar face uh, was seen a few years in a row, they took me seriously. So it really was just persistence, whatever it took to get in front of people who made decisions and not being shy because I just believe in it so much. I mean, I know you you study in these things, too, in these areas. So you can see the difference as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, um, you may not be able to share this, but I'm wondering along the path of the different athletes that you've worked with. I know with clients, for example, there are people that are more um, open to um, treatment therapy processes and they are, are open to um, helping them on the journey. So has there been favorite athletes along the way um, that you find that were more open to quantum sports mm-hmm. medicine? I, you know, it's funny, all the athletes are open to it. That's what's interesting. And one time, one of the a general manager of an NBA team said, you know, how do you get these athletes to buy in? I said, oh, they're not the problem. It's you guys. Like the athletes are really into it. They want to try whatever it is. And what's really interesting that I've noticed, Janie, is that they keep it a secret. They don't want to tell anyone. So it's a very hard thing to grow. Just imagine your best clients have a zip lip about the work, which is okay. You know, I don't do it for publicity. And, I, but I also do want everyone to have it, but the superstars don't really want everyone to have it. So I've worked with perennial all-stars, NFL, Super Bowl champions, NBA champions, multiple champions, uh, NBA world champion coaches. And I don't, you know, I don't name drop because of their privacy. Um, you know, here and there athletes will say, oh yeah, let's put a picture on my website, but I don't speak directly about them. But I love working with people who are at the top of their field, you know, so it's really a great place for me to be. Well, I'm sure if, uh, people can just scroll through your Instagram. They can see you with quite a few uh, mega stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because I put people's pictures up on my Instagram. In the beginning, I didn't. And then people said, we need receipts. And you hear that word all the time on right. Clubhouse, right? I need receipts. I was like, all right, I got plenty of receipts. I'll just start posting. And whoa, now I'm believable. So it's really interesting how people do want the proof, you know? I think a part of that is because there's so many people that um, say things without really yeah. being real. Uh, a lot of fakes, I guess, yeah. would be the way to say it. But we definitely know <laughs> that you are who you are. And uh, we are so thankful for you and your work. So, you know, Thank your experience, you. um, Laura, with working with high performers like the NBA, you know, what are some common mental blocks that you would see that prevent them from mm. getting to that to that next level that we mm-hmm. can all probably relate to? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting that the, the main block that I notice people have is their own self, their own mind, and their disbelief in how great they are. So really what it ends up being is that there's a difference in what their potential is, and they have this perceived potential, and there's also an actual potential. So they're not fully recognizing what's possible for them. So they're in their own way. And then I notice that athletes have a very hard time being in a state of focus uh, in a, for a long term, right? So focus is a, is a big one. And also, and really like having a big enough dream. So for me, you know, being an all-star, is that good enough? Or being a world champion, let's talk about being a perennial all-star or being, you know, a repeated, a repeatable world champion status. So other than their own selves, you know, for athletes, I think the other block is just thinking small and not having the focus to go from the beginning of a game to the end of a game and stay really mentally present and mentally ready. 
but that's where the zone comes in, you know, and you have to get in the zone sometimes and you get out and you have to get back in the zone. And I was talking to my son tonight and I said, well, I, you have these techniques to get back in the zone. He goes, yeah, mom, I really can't do that when I'm on stage. He's a professional ballet dancer in Russia. He goes, I can't use that technique when I'm on stage and I'm twirling a girl around. Like, that's not right. I was like, oh, you mean like in the middle of the dance? So I said, well, we have to work on it so that you can maintain it for like, you know, two solid hours. So he's like, yeah, I need to get back into like solid practice. So, you know, you can learn to have these tools and they are tools, right? They're not, they're not taught in school. There's things that we work on a skill set. So I love to teach athletes the skill set of getting past themselves and getting out of their mind and out of their way, you know, break down those walls. So we all put walls up. I shouldn't say we all, maybe we all don't. Many of us put walls up and then we put the wall up. The next thing you know, we have to climb the wall we put up in front of ourselves. It's so funny to me that I can see the wall and point to it, but I can't even see my own wall sometimes. So I need my own coach. I'd say sometimes we can't be a prophet in our own home, but it's a great blessing if you can with your son. <laughs> yes. All right. I know that took a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you're talking about that, I'm wondering um, who would be an example for you of someone who's in the zone. I know when you're talking, Tom Brady comes to mind, you know, yeah. that's never satisfied. Yeah. And, and from a good standpoint, would that be an example yeah. of someone who would be in the zone as far as an athlete that we can all see? Yeah, I totally believe Tom Brady is one of the greats at getting in the zone. And I mean, Kobe Bryant is someone I like to point at the most. He was so fierce. And I don't even, I think Kobe Bryant was more in the zone than say a Michael Jordan. And I love LeBron James. I don't give him as much credit as I give those two guys about getting in the zone because consistency is where you know someone's in the zone, right? The consistency and the ability to take the shot and really know you're going to make it because you're not overthinking it. You know, you're just, you're ready and it's going to kind of, you know, move through you instead of you having to do everything, you really surrender to the greatness. And, but yeah, Tom Brady, it's interesting because he just has this unflappable ability, right? To be out there and regardless of his age or what's going on around him, he sticks with it. And he's from start to finish. He's one of the greatest. He just said a, a great point that I think anybody can glean from. It doesn't matter his age. <laughs> so, so, so with that being said, like, how can we, you know, for those that are not athletes, when they think about what it looks like for someone to be in their zone, more of um, not a celebrity, but not an athlete, like, what would you say to them if they said, well, how would I know I'm in my zone? What does that really look yeah. like? Well, I, I feel like um, the zone is... Uh, it's not even just a feeling, it's a place that you go to. And so I think most people teach the zone as a feeling, or most of the time we discuss the zone, we talk about it as being a feeling that overcomes us. And what I do is I teach people to make the zone almost like a physical location. I mean, it's a quantumly physical location, but when you're in the zone, what it feels like and what it looks like to others is that you're just, your body becomes a vessel and suddenly all, you know, consciousness is moving through you. So you kind of lose your mind and you stop being so deliberate. You know, I was talking to a baseball, like a, a big time MLB baseball guy today, uh, MLB baseball. So redundant, right? I was talking <laughs> to a baseball guy today and he said, yeah, when my, my batters go up to the plate, I don't want them to be so deliberate. Like, yeah, they don't need to say, I'm about to hit this next pitch. They need to wait and like respond in the moment. And the zone is about responding instead of reacting. And the zone is also about feeling lighthearted instead of, you know, angry. Like if you're angry, you're probably not in the zone. And some athletes say, well, I was in an angry zone. Well, that wasn't the zone zone. That's another kind of zone. 
And that's not sustainable. You can't play like that for a long time because your body will break down much more quickly. So the zone really does feel kind of magical. I always say, oh, it's like a metaphysical place. They go, what's that? I say, okay, well, just imagine that your body is, you know, doesn't get tired. I have a baseball pitcher that I work with and I've shown him how to use his body as like the vessel or the vehicle. So he can pitch so much, like his arm does not get tired because he lets the game move through him instead of coming from him. Hmm. And it works the same for a ballet dancer, a writer, you know, instead of you picking up the pen and you writing, just imagine the energy moving through you. So the pen moves instead of you moving the pen, the pen is being moved. Same thing with basketball or golf. Instead of you playing basketball, basketball is being played. And so it's a a level of surrendering, right? And letting your mind go. That's kind of the way I see it. I know that makes sense. What do you think? (laughs) Absolutely. It makes sense. So I I think the main point I'm hearing is that is available to all of us. We don't have to be an athlete. (laughs) Right. I know. And it's funny because people really do think like it's just for athletes, but no, the zone is for anyone and everyone. And sometimes it does help to be a little older. Actually, you know, five-year-olds probably are naturally able to get in the zone, but once we get into our twenties and thirties, we're relearning and rethinking things. So it's easier for me to teach a pro athlete or a retired athlete how to get in the zone than it is to teach a 13-year-old athlete how to get in the zone. Because the skill set, once you have a solid skill set, you can get into the zone a little more easily. Almost reminds me of some of the the conversations we've been having in the club with uh with Tim's story <laughs> about the the miracle mentality. It almost reminds mm-hmm. me um when you talk about the five-year-old where we don't necessarily have to do the same thing if we would with the 50-year-old um, as far as helping them get in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Tim's story is, you know, the stuff he talks about and the way he says it is always so delightful and so different, you know. So I love hearing from people like that about this type of work, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, something else that um, that I hear you often talk about that um, always piques my interest, obviously, from my my field, but you talk about the resilient wellness. So can you share with us a little bit about what that means and what does it look like in a person's life? Yeah. Yeah, so resilient wellness is, uh, it's the idea of not being stressed out and not living with worry. And part of that is like rebuilding your body. So letting your physical and your emotional and mental body all be in sync and in a state of oneness. And then bringing into that the whole other side of us, the spiritual side. So there's a book called The Science of Being Well. And I read that book and it's really interesting because basically the author Wallace D. Waddles, you know, he wrote a book that became really famous, The Science of Getting Rich, but no one paid attention to the science of being well and the science of being great. I did. I found that book to be fascinating, both of them. The Science of Being Well. He wants you to reprogram yourself so strongly that you only focus on wellness. And so resilient wellness has a touch of that, but it's also, there are some techniques that we can easily do, like our body is listening to our mind, to our thoughts all the time. And we can do a few techniques to get our nervous system reset. And if we can get out of fight and flight or fight or flight and into, you know, a relaxed state of mind, then our body's going to start to heal faster. You know, because the first stressed out, we're just not healing. And so resilient wellness, I turned it into a class. Like, let me show you guys a few techniques and some thoughts behind it. So I make everyone set a big, huge health goal, a big, huge goal, even just a claim. And you focus on that. You focus on your goal and you allow your, your cells, your subconscious mind to tune into that. Instead of worrying about something, you focus on what's good. And it really is a matter of aligning the, all the bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, and the super mental body. 
And then there's this other one, the bliss body. And this is not my stuff. I didn't make this up. Um, this is like an ancient yogic traditional thing that Amit Goswami brought back to life. He worked at the University of Oregon in nuclear physics. So he had credibility. He talked about the five bodies and people listened. And it didn't just come from a yoga teacher. And suddenly it makes sense. And now it's science. So people love it, you know? Yeah. So then anyone that's listening and they think about, well, I want that. <laughs> Who would not want that? I mean, what would be some um, some quick tips that can get them on that path? Besides probably taking one of your courses, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the course is great. I always like to offer people, you know, some free stuff. So you could write down a health goal, a really strong health goal. Like for me, it's just, I am ex- so happy and grateful. I'm experiencing resilient wellness and I have energy and, you know, my skin is, looks great and I'm eating healthy foods. Write it down and start looking at it. I mean, it's really simple because if we change the inside, the outside changes too. So I just like to use the subconscious mind, imprint it with powerful things and we start to see the shift. And also, I mean, it's easy, right? Drink more water, eat more salads. But, you know, the techniques can be really helpful as well in balancing our nervous system. So we can change from the inside out and then we can do some of the basics that we constantly hear. There's a reason why we constantly hear that. (laughs) Well, uh, we will be right back after this commercial break with our esteemed guest, Laura Wild. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regret it? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are here with our guest today, Laura Wild, and she is getting us in the zone. Welcome back, Laura. Thank you, Janie. Thanks so much for having me again. Absolutely. You know, there's a, um, a couple of conversations that I've heard you um, speak on. So I know that you're very familiar, like with Vanderkolp's work and the body keeps the score and yeah. these types of things. Um, so, you know, I'm wondering what's your thought process with a lot of the athletes and different people, high performance um, people that you've worked with. There's that saying, and I know that you've posted it, that we cannot heal in the environment that got us sick. <laughs> so what is that <laughs> especially working with, with athletes when you look at um, different things? Yeah, well, uh, I love to talk, you know, athletes will, for example, they'll have a hurt knee and they think that there's no way to get that knee better unless they, you know, sit out for eight weeks or six months. And I start to ask some questions, you know, because uh, there's often something behind it. Like usually they're nervous or scared. Like, so often, right before time, especially in the NBA is where I notice it most, right? Um, my eyes are mostly focused there. Right before the trade deadline, guys start getting sick. And I say, hey, maybe your level of stress has something to do with it. Oh, no, no, no. I, you know, I twisted my ankle or my knee when I did this. I, I stepped on his ankle. I go, yeah, but why do you guys do this more often when there's a stressful period? So I try to show them how they're, what they create, their emotional body, their, the fear they're holding, the anger, the frustration – and then the way they're thinking about things can actually create an environment where the physical body can't handle it. So we know that like we are an imprint of who we were yesterday or last year. So I can even point to, hey, look how stressed out you were back here. You never rebuilt a strong mind and your body just got weak because you know the body wants to be surrounded by powerful thoughts, powerful emotional processing, right? We're supposed to have our emotions. I really do think we forget to process them. We forget to feel. And it's funny, my mom brought me, brought that book to my attention because I'd always say, your body's keeping track of everything. I'm like, dude, why didn't I think of the body keeps a score? It's just a sports analogy, right? So of course, athletes love that. Your body's keeping track. Your body's keeping score. It remembers that when you were, you know, seven, this happened. So it lets you uh, stay tentative. So as not to venture out into the world in a vivacious, way where you could get hurt. So suddenly we're playing ourselves small in our mind, which means our body plays small. Our body gets really tight, you know, in our fascia and our body is tight. And then we're not a great athlete. You know, we get hurt a lot. We don't play as well as we can. So I love to show athletes how if they can actually go beyond meditate and do other things like that and not just, you know, go to practice and go to weight training and stretching, but do beyond that, they can really have whole health their whole entire career. We might have some injuries here and there, but when you have an awareness of it, your awareness is actually the gift. The awareness is actually the gift. So with a meditation in particular, because you mentioned that, especially in the athletic world, is there more of a openness uh, to meditative practices as far as um, mentioning stress about stress management? Sometimes I see a lot of resistance to towards uh, like meditation or mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the resistance, uh, it's changed a lot in the past two or three years. But I remember very distinctly 10 years ago, 
say, to, oh, yeah, that meditation stuff you do. And the amount of articles that have come out on meditation and the amount of science that now backs it is so incredible. So almost every team that I know of has a, a few players who meditate. I mean, there was this, this uh, Instagram video of Joaquim Noah in the bubble for the NBA last year, you know, burning sage and walking up and down the hallway at the hotel where the players were. It's also interesting that Phil Jackson, the most successful NBA coach of our time, maybe all time, the most successful coach actually made his players meditate. They would be in their socks in the middle of the gym floor lying down. And yet people think of, I've heard people say, oh yeah, Phil Jackson's old school. I'm like, no, he's not old school. Like what he did was, it still works. We just don't do it. So the resistance is there. The individual players love it. Uh, I think the resistance is that teams don't want to force players to do things because they're already requiring them to be here, be there, do this, eat that, record this. And there's a resistance sometimes with the players of being completely controlled. So I think they don't want to add one more thing when they say, oh, if they want to do that, they can. And so when I worked with my team uh, very intensely, they, you know, they gave me opportunities. Any player who wanted to work with me could. So I would hold group meditations and one-on-one meditations and everyone tends to want to learn this. They just may not talk about it publicly, you know? So there really is a curiosity towards it because there, as you mentioned, there are there's research and yeah, there's studies after totally. studies how helpful it is for all of us. So what do you, when you see that resistance, especially when it comes to probably mental health challenges or um, addictions and just in your, your, your frame of reference when you get curious or you wonder if maybe that's what's going on, what do you do with that, right? When we talk about trauma in the body and if it's just more than just stress and you notice that being up and close with many um, different high performers. Yeah, well, I mean, the way I look at it is I just want to interrupt the pattern of their thoughts because they're being ruled by thoughts when they're suffering from some of the mental health issues. And they're also really living uh, upon their past, right? The past built them up to this place and they can't get beyond it, even if they don't know what's going on, they're feeling these, you know, doubt, worry, self-sabotaging things that are showing up and people can feel really out of control and they often suffer when they haven't sort of mastered the mind. So to me, meditation, I'll say, Hey, let's just interrupt it for a minute. Let's just take one minute to interrupt all the thoughts and everything. And after one minute, like that's kind of been my magic sweet spot, right? I'll have someone meditate for one minute with me and they go, Oh, okay. Okay. Let's do one more minute. And so people could be afraid. They think, oh, I have to, you know, sit on a rock, you know, out in the middle of nowhere and meditate. No, just sit for a minute and close your eyes and just see if you can surrender a little more. Because it does really feel good, not only for our mind, but for our body. So every part of us benefits when we meditate. And then that first breath, when someone meditates, begins to shift their body back into the rest and relax and out of fight and flight. So, or fight or flight. So it's so helpful for them to understand that, look, you're in a constant state of fight or flight. You're under stress. Your body doesn't want to digest food. If you just focus on breathing and you just sit for a minute, you can actually start to change those patterns and start to really like dissolve and, you know, un, like, un, like I guess the word is like peel away some of the things you're carrying around. I think most of us think who we are is who we are. And we forget that our personality has a billion layers of it. And a lot of them are based on defense mechanisms. And so when I work with athletes, and show them how to meditate, they can start to notice their triggers. And I mean, it's so powerful. They notice when they get triggered, why they get triggered and what it does to them. And then they literally become new people 
and they can't even remember who they used to be. But well, I tell you, everyone around them does notice, wow, you're so much more easygoing. You know, you're more loving, you're more accepting of yourself, and you're also more willing to be vulnerable. And once we become vulnerable, we become the best version of ourselves and we actually become better athletes. Might seem counterintuitive, but I've seen it happen. I think you may need to say that again and set someone free. When you become vulnerable, you become your best self. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, I just, and you know how you meet those people and they're the yummy people in life that we meet. The ones that are vulnerable, that are really living in a heart-centered way. And those are the people that you really can't mess up around because they're just like, okay, they just, they, they offer a really big space for you to just be yourself. And, you know, it's a great place um, to be, especially if you can have friends like that. So surround ourselves with people like that. And, you know, we really get to live a better life. That's my goal. Well, it sounds like those are healthy, secure people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hopefully there can be more and more of those each year. Oh, exactly. You know, earlier I was recording with Dr. Uh, Caroline Leaf and, uh, you know, she was talking about these toxic thoughts and um, we were talking about her new book, Cleaning Up Our Mental Mess. You know, and one of the things that she said, and it's reminding me of it because you're saying it, is um, she was debunking the myth that it takes 21 days to change a habit. And she talked about it being 63 days and the consistency is the word I hear from you is that consistency. So it's not just the Mm -hmm. one time a player would meditate and then all their stress is going to go away. It becomes a practice of, of life. Yeah. You know, it's funny because that's been one of my things is that I'll work with the player, a guy or a girl or whatever, and get them to a certain level. And then they want to taper off. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, well, do you become really good and you're a pro player? So now you only go to practice three times a week instead of five or six times. Cause you would never, you would never say, you know what? I'm such a good shooter. I'm just not going to practice anymore. I'm good. Like I'm a great shooter now. I'm in the NBA. I'm going to take some days off and start, you know, minimizing my practice attempt, my shot attempts every day. You would never do that. But yet with the mental game, we do that. And I had an athlete recently who had a big fail and we hadn't spoken in a couple of months. He's like, yeah, I'm feeling great. Everything's good. You know, I'm going to kind of do my own thing. And, you know, I kind of warned him off a little bit, but I don't want to, you know, be too overbearing. And he had a big fail moment. And I kind of said, you know, after a year of this type of work, it, it takes a while. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. And to build a strong foundation can take, especially if we have a lot of stuff, like like Carolyn said, a lot of stuff leading up to it. It might take longer than that. And But I also do believe just, it's interesting you said that, that she says it takes longer. I believe when you combine mind-body medicine with creating new habits, you can actually create a new habit or get rid of a bad habit more quickly. So that's kind of the way I would look at it. You know, if, our, if my kidney's holding fear or my liver is holding a lot of anger and I shift that in one session of mind-body medicine, then I let go of part of my personality that drives that habit. So now instead of that habit being who I am, because I've let go of the emotional pattern in my body, my mind looks for it and I feel discombobulated. Hey, I'm used to being scared, but my mind can't find the place where the fear is so that I can, it can dissolve more quickly. So that's just my take on that. This reminds me of that euphoric recall that your body is, uh, the alert is going off and um, it's used to being in that place, but you're not giving it that place to fall in anymore. Right. Who, does, who does not want that? But I think a lot of times it's the the hard work, right? And the repetition and mm-hmm. doing the things that will get us to not be back in that place. So so share with us a little bit, because I would imagine this plays into your work is the off season. That is just not oh, yeah. or in the zone and in the season that the off season also matters with what we do. Yeah, I think the off season matters the most. And sometimes 
I get disappointed because I always want to talk about this. I always want to work on this and have sessions. And sometimes the off season means I'm really taking off or yeah, I'll get back with you when the season starts. So it's always interesting because the off season is a chance to really build and do lots of transformational deep work. Like I would never do a, a really deep transformational session with someone the day before a game. And in baseball and basketball, guess what? Like games happen every other day and sometimes two days in a row, sometimes for baseball, three days in a row. So I love the off season because that's when you can really do the deep work. And you can also have this reflection of yourself that when you're in playing a lot of games, you can't always have the space to grow or, and even the space to recognize that you're growing. And we're back to this again, right? The awareness is the gift. So I want the athletes to have the awareness of that they've gone from point A to point B. So it's really helpful when someone's really all in and so few athletes, even at the most elite level, so few athletes are really willing to put in the time it takes. And I just think, you know, as human beings, we have a little bit of natural laziness because we're really geared towards survival on some level. So how many of us actually can overpower the survival and want to be our extraordinary selves? And even among the top athletes in the world, I'm always surprised that the number is still small. Hmm. And my mind goes to, I wonder what offseason looks like for Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like on it. He probably says, okay, you know, I'll let down for a short period of time. But, you know, he does a really great job with his food and his diet and nutrition. And I think people can overlook that, but he's really strict. And, he, you know, I feel like he's, he's a great example for us to use. Like, wow, change your food and you change your life. You know, change your food, you'll play longer. I mean, why not? Use every tool available to you. So I bet he's, his off season is short, and uh, but he really gets a lot done when he gets back to work. And the focus, I mean, obviously he has a lot of focus because he's got such a long career, you know. I guess that's the old saying that you, you don't prep when you need to prep. <laughs> you prep when you don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It takes, you know, the athletes don't realize that until they're about 27 or 28 sometimes. And by then, there's always this like look back. Oh, man. Where were you when I was 24? I'm like, you weren't, you wouldn't have listened to me anyway. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I had, I had to, you know, Terrell Owens. I mean, sorry, Terrell, Terrell Davis told me that one time. Like I've had so many top incredible athletes say, oh, I really needed you. And in the beginning I'd say, well, look how great you were. And they'd say, no, no, I could have been greater. Or I would have extended my career because the mind, body medicine, the quantum sports medicine could have helped me get rid of some of my injuries. And or at least like learn how to kind of, you know, have an awareness of what I was recreating on a daily basis because I couldn't get away from my toxic thoughts. What is the book called? Clean Up My Mental Mess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think what you're saying, and, and, and I'm hearing it, is that even with these athletes, like with the Tom Brady, is that their best self, they're still moving towards their best self. They're not at this place. And I've met him. They're continuously improving. They're continuously looking holistically, yeah. food, thoughts, and doing everything right. that they can. So it's almost mm -hmm. like that saying, um, really wanting to die empty, so to speak. They're giving it all they've gotten. And why do yeah. we, we all not want to do that? Uh, yeah, I know. It's funny because people always think that everyone who made it in the NBA or in Major League Baseball is that. It's like, no. There is such a small difference between the average person walking around and a really high-level athlete. I mean, it, it's incredible how close so many people come to reaching a really incredible level of greatness, but don't realize it. And I, I'm kind of drawn to the picture we've all seen where there's a guy digging, and 
it says, don't give up. And then they show the picture, like you're watching and he's digging and he's like, you know, a foot away from the gold mine. And I feel like that is part of the human condition is that we get so close to the gold mine and we push so hard. And if we don't have the fortitude to push through or even the, the voices in our ears, and sometimes that voice needs to be our own, you know, and if we don't have that voice from over here and over there or behind us, someone having our back, we have to have our own back and we haven't all learned that skill set. I think it's a challenging one. It's one that I'm still working on myself, but there is so often uh, that, that, that small difference of greatness between the ones who make it and the ones who don't. And I think it it's also, sad. <laughs> it is sad, but you know what you're saying also reminds me of, and I'm sure you see this with a lot of the teams that you work with is the voices and the people who you surround yourself with and what they pour into you. Because when you are in the flow, you know, I'm thinking of even about my own life, when you're in the flow, sometimes people, it can either raise their insecurity. And how I hear that is, Janie, you're doing too much. When are you going to slow down? Do you rest? <laughs> I'm sure you get that too. I mean, it, all the time. And that reminds me of just uh, just that principle that that you said just about our culture and you know the digging rate right when you're right there right we 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 should never stop digging especially if you enjoy and you feel fulfilled um, with your digging. <laughs> yeah, I always I, to me it's like I use the word depth all the time. It's like I want I love to have depthful conversations and I would like to live a depthful life, a life that goes deep and where and I don't people say oh yeah well go. T- 20 miles deep and about a foot wide. But no, 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 I'm going to go wide and deep because I feel like we have enough time in our lives if we focus on that to really go down every rabbit hole and really to keep exploring, to keep figuring out who we are and what we're made of. Like, I don't think I'm anywhere near knowing what I'm made of or what I'm capable of. I can see looking back places where I was capable of more and I didn't realize it. So now I don't want in five years to look back on today, Laura, and say, hey, you're doing it again, right? It's like, okay, I can have self-awareness and notice that I can create a new pattern, a new way of being every single day. Like our cells are constantly turning over and they're so new. You know, every day we have 500 million new cells. So I'm just going to tell them better things than I told the ones yesterday. And I'm going to keep growing that way, you know, by using not only my physiology, but my thoughts and my environment, you know, putting things up all around me so I can be constantly bombarded, like you said, like my proximity of who I keep in my circle, I'm very careful about that. I make sure it's feeding me all the good stuff. People who, you know, adore me and love me and recognize my gifts and who won't let me settle for small or mediocre. That's just not who I believe you and I are meant to be or anyone's meant to be. Absolutely. And I think the greats do that. So when I had uh, Tim Story on the show, you know, he talked about Oprah Winfrey and that um, she protects her energy. Not She doesn't let anybody in her space so that when you are in her space, she's present with you, which reminds me of that yeah. mindfulness, why we should all practice mindfulness. <laughs> really live in present. Yeah, it's so important like to, for the person you're with to feel like you're right there, like, oh, I'm right here for you. And I, you know, I've been guilty of that. My son sometimes says, mom, what are you doing right now? I'm like, oh, well, I was looking at the messages you sent me because when you sent them to me, I didn't look at them. And now that you're here, I'm all about you, but I'm still not present, even though I'm looking at a message you sent me. So I think it's a, the people who are present with us, we all remember, um, you know, we, that's at least for me. I don't know about you, but and Tim's story does have that presence. You know, he really is present with you. 
Absolutely. And and it made me uh, remind me of that. We all fall into this occasionally as you talk about your son, because there'll be times where I'm checking a message or I'm doing something on my my phone and I'll hear him call me like a second time. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, and I know you just called me, but I didn't hear you, but I did hear you, you know, or like when do you ever do this where you say what when someone speaks? And then they don't re- reply, and then the whole thing floods through your your consciousness, and then you heard the whole sentence after the fact. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So constantly practicing that. But you know, I'm wondering if you can share with us. I know that you have the eight principles of oh yeah uh, medicine. Can you share with us um, about some of those principles and yeah. why they should matter, regardless if we're an athlete <laughs> or, or not? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I pulled it up so I could look at it. So the I call this the eight defining principles of the sports. Mm-hmm energy medicine system. So, you know, I call, I started calling sports energy medicine that because it makes more sense in the way the world's going. And I only shifted the name to quantum sports medicine later, but really you think about it, it's really sports energy medicine. So one of my favorite principles, I think you'll like this too, is a shift in our physical health and our injuries are, okay, sorry. If we have a shift in our physical health, our injuries can heal more quickly when our underlying emotional and mental contributing factors are addressed and dissolved. And the way I look at that is, you know, if someone comes from an abusive home, they don't know that it's okay. They don't have a self-acceptance. And so there's something that makes the body tight. And so I want people to take a look. And it's not like, I'm not asking them to like, tell me their whole life story and to relive it, but really to notice, oh yeah, I'm actually in a constant state of anger and I didn't realize it. When I'm in a constant state of anger, my liver gets a little clogged because this is like the mind-body connection, right? My liver liver's clogged. My body's not functioning at a high level. And now I'm in this chronic injury where I keep hurting my knee over and over again or my back. And so I have um, had people take a look. And it, it can be very simple, you know, because I when I use it, this, you know, sports energy medicine, it's very intuitive. So I can feel or experience, oh, there's a lot of anger here or there is sadness here. What's that about? And so we just really pinpoint it. And that awareness, even if they don't talk about it, they'll go, oh, I just felt something kind of shift in my body. And I feel like we can actually peel back the layers of a knee injury. Oh, look. Oh, look, your body's keeping score. Age five, big sister, uh, little sister was born. Look, age six, you went to school and you didn't like your teacher. And then you changed school. So I feel like every injury that an athlete has really is connected to the things they've had in their lives, the experiences they've had. It's just a matter of taking a look and having the awareness because the awareness really is a gift. So if we can resolve those underlying issues, you know, I'm going to write my, I'm doing my PhD in quantum medicine. I'm, I'm going to write it about injuries and, you know, underlying factors of emotions and our thoughts. Cause I think it can be fascinating and maybe that'll be the chance for people to notice that it makes sense, you know? And my other favorite principle, I picked up two that I think you'd probably like the most. The other one is uh, we look beyond our, okay, if we look beyond our symptoms and we gain an awareness and a wisdom about our subconscious emotional patterns, we can get past the symptom to the root cause. So here's the thing. People will say, I sprained my ankle. And they think, and I say, well, that's a symptom. And they think that is the thing. I go, no, the, the sprained ankle is not the thing. It's a symptom. The thing behind the thing is what we had to look at. So for example, our gallbladder meridian runs right through our ankle. And if we twist our ankle, I'll, I'll ask questions. It seems silly at first, but I'll ask the question, are you having a hard time making a decision? Because the gallbladder in Chinese medicine is about the courage to make a good decision. It could also be a little bit about worry. So I'll ask them about things like that. And almost every time they go, 
oh my gosh. And there's this whole story behind it. So our ankle has a story and it's keeping, you know, our body's keeping score. So let's look at it that way. And sometimes you can have an injury heal really quickly and almost to the point where it's not believable. Oh, it must not have been that, you know, because it wouldn't heal that quickly. And so people who are used to these injuries often are troubled that there's a simpler way because it does, you know, impede upon someone's belief systems and maybe on what they built their whole career upon. You know, it can be scary, I think, to have another opinion that is like a whole other lane. So the other part of that is each injury has a correlation to the emotional or the mental body. So once we understand this, we can literally have the key to being a healthier athlete. So I like to give my athletes a list. Okay, shoulders are about too much responsibility or not taking responsibility. Your knees can be about fear or being rigid. Your hamstrings can be about the need to be in control. And they start to go, whoa, oh, look, what's up with my wrist? Why is my wrist hurt? I say, what are you trying to grasp onto? What can you not let go of or be a little less rigid about? So it's just interesting to see the connection because I've never had anyone say, nope, nothing like that. They always just had this kind of moment, like a take, taken aback, like, whoa, I wish I had known this before. And so I'll have clients call me. They're like, I need a session. I say, why? My back hurts. I go, have you gone through your list? Oh, no, I wanted you to do it with me. So I'll go through the list. We'll talk about what the spine can mean. And the spine can often mean that we don't feel supported in, in our work or in our lives or in our personal lives on some level. And just understanding that and recognizing, like using your affirmation, right? Loving yourself a little more setting an intention that your new 500 million cells show up tomorrow to a little more positivity, you know, that can really help and start us on a path to feeling great and being great. I mean, that level of excellence we all want to achieve is attainable with a few small shifts in the way we do things and the way we think. That's what I've seen in my experience, at least. Reminds me of um, EMDR. So I'm an EM, I'm EMDR yeah. certified. So it's I'm yep. presentation reprocessing for yeah. those that are not familiar. And one of the things when we are reprocessing repressed memories is we'll ask them like, where do you feel it in your body? <laughs> and in yeah. those moments of, of bringing everything back up from their subconscious or things that happened before, to your point, they go straight to I feel it in my stomach. I'm feeling it here. And um, it's so important because it also is creating that certain awareness because sometimes, and I would imagine you've experienced this even with athletes is that, you know, when they don't even have the awareness of, you know, being aware of their body or even being aware of their thoughts, they're very reactive to life. And, you know, worked with some um, athletes in therapy that come from anger management. (laughs) So, um, so I think it all fits together. Yeah, it does. And I, even beyond the injuries or the trauma, like if I have an athlete who's, you know, grumbling about wanting to get the max contract, meaning a huge increase in salary, I'll have them sit with their eyes closed and start saying numbers like 15 million, 20 million. And it actually hurts their body. Like they're actually either in pain or discomfort as the number gets higher. It's like, well, look at you blocking yourself. Even though you say you want 10 million more dollars a year, you can't even handle it in your body. Your emotional body isn't ready. And it really shows them where they have work to do. So it can be really interesting to feel stress over more money. Who would have thought that? But it really does boil down to us having this ambivalence about, you know, what we really want and what we think we want and what we can handle. Because if we're not in alignment with it, it's probably not going to show up. And if our body freaks out when someone tells you to close your eyes and tells you that you got a new contract for 
$15 million. If that stresses you out, you're probably not going to get that contract. So I like them to get in touch with that connection because it, we do, I do a thing called the emotional resolution technique that's similar with the eye movements and turning of the head. It's so powerful. And they don't realize at first, oh, wow, I do feel that in my stomach as we talk about this. But just think how, you know, asleep our body has been. And when the body awakens, because we use these techniques, you know, we can be, that's where resilient wellness comes from. That's for me. That's why I feel really healthy. That's why my immune system is so balanced. I've kind of gone through that stuff and walked away from it, like peeled those layers off. It's like a big, heavy cloak, right? Of fear, sadness, worry, anger, and grief. And once you get away from that, suddenly, whoa, it's like the world's a new place. And that's what I've been experiencing as I've gone through my journey with resilient wellness and working with athletes. So not only do you teach others, but you practice what you preach. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time I do catch myself, you know, doing these things that I'm working, but you know, I'm I'm my best teacher sometimes. And also my clients are my best teachers. I get to watch them be great and like point to them and tell them how great they are all the time. So of course I have to do that to myself as well. And, you know, surround myself with people like you and Tim Story and the powerful, positive people that I've come across. It all matters. You know, when you're talking yeah. about your example about the $15 million contract, for example, it reminds me that for people to hear this, that no matter what level we're at, people can have self-doubt. They can have different types of um, things when you talked about not feeling like it's their potential. So, you know, share with us a little bit about, because I think people can relate with that, that that's on all levels. Even if you're at 15 million, 25 million contracts, you still have the yeah. self-doubt is what you're telling us. <laughs> Um, you know, it's so true. It, it, even if I, like, I have someone who's experiencing illness and I'll say, okay, close your eyes and imagine that you can run five miles. And, you know, the self-doubt is, seems like it's there and the inability to kind of be free from the, the wall we build for ourselves is a human, I think it's a real uh, universal human condition. So anyone, you know, whether it's money or being healthy or having a great relationship, you know, I, even for myself, I'm, you know, I always work on this. Oh, you know, why is it that I'm not married? Oh, oh, I just felt like someone tried to control me, you know? So I think with wealth, health and relationships, we can really look at what that means. We can look at uh, our reluctance to move through and be free of that. So I've noticed that a lot that the, the body will tell me what I'm ready for. And it's the thing is, I think I'm ready for this, 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 and this. And then I, I say it out loud and I'll notice, oh man, I got a little pain in my heart. I felt my breath shrink. You know, so people often will say, oh, my heart rate got really fast when you said that to me. They're like, when I work with athletes, I'll say, I'll say this. This is so funny to me when I say this. I say, you're the greatest scorer of all time. And if their eyes are closed, they'll open their eyes and go, no, I'm not. I go, oh, of course you're not. You can't believe it. And so I like to play these little tricks and show them what they say to themselves and to me. So if I say, okay, you're the greatest scorer of all time, where do you feel that my heart's best? Okay, let's say it again. So if you say it to yourself or you have someone else say it like a thousand times, it stops being a trigger. So you have to get the great thinking to not be a trigger. And so I love to say something like that, or, you know, you're the best shooter that's ever been in the NBA ever. Go, no, I'm not. And so it's like, while you're arguing with me, I just gave you a potential compliment. So it's really interesting to see how even with things simple, like being great, the body will argue. But if you see the body arguing, then you know that the mind is not quite there. So that's good because it tells you where to work and what to work on, you know? Absolutely. And giving them and 
speaking life into them when they can't see it themselves and that repetition. And then I would imagine at some point, then you give them those uh, assignments of writing down those affirmations that you are. (laughs) Yes. I like to um, record them and send them as little uh, notes. I like to write them. I like to have them write them. And I think it's really important that we use our hands and write some of these things if we're able to, and not just put it in our phone and also put it as a reminder. You know, for me, my every morning, my phone reminds me that today is the most magnificent day of my life. And then I say it out loud and I'll see another one like you are in a hurricane of grace that I heard one time on a law of attraction book. So once, once a day it pops up and it says you're in a hurricane of grace. So I have one of these that pops up every hour just to keep me going, to keep me remember in a state of remembering that I am great. So I don't have to been too long in a state of not recognizing my power. Absolutely. Well, you certainly are great. So what is <laughs> next for Laura Wilde and how can people stay in touch with you? Oh, okay. So I, I guess what's next is I'm really just working to teach people. I set a really big intention that by the end of 2022, I will have taught 1 million people to get into the zone. So it's a big number. It doesn't scare me. It scared me at first. So that was good because I feel like a dream should be really scary. And uh, otherwise, it's not worth trading my life for, right? And the best way to get in touch with me would be uh, my website, lauramwild.com. And the wild has an E at the end. And then I'm really big into Instagram. Laura Mitchell Wild is my Instagram. And then, of course, Clubhouse, Laura Wild. Clubhouse is a great place for great conversations about all kinds of things. So all those ways are great ways to get in touch with me. Thank you, Jeannie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you know, like attracts like. That's how how we we met is uh, hanging out in the club. Yeah. I like to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we certainly my place to be. <laughs> exactly, and we certainly appreciate you sharing with us, and uh, looking forward to continuing connecting with you and supporting you. So we want to appreciate you for being on. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. As well, in the words of our esteemed guest, our mind is the most important muscle to train. Yet most of your competition only trains the body. And this is your edge, your secret weapon, that 1% difference between the elite and others. It is time to get in the zone so you can be mentally and physically resilient and always play your best game. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.